You are listening to Fanfare Tracks. Because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. Star Wars news in a single file. This is Making Tracks. Here are your hosts, Mark Newbold and Mark Wolcaster. That's not true. That's impossible. You're listening to Making Tracks. I'm your host, Mark Newbold, and welcome to a special episode as we listen in on an exclusive virtual roundtable which took place on Tuesday the 16th of November featuring producer Alyssa Finley, voice actor Bobby Moynihan, and host Holly Fry as they discuss all things Tales from the Galaxy's Edge and its special MetaQuest 2 experience, which opens at Downtown Disney in Anaheim today, Monday the 21st of November, and runs through to the 5th of January 2022. Let's head over to that panel. Bright suns, everybody. Uh, as you know, we are here today discussing uh, a new and exciting thing that's happening this weekend, which is the MetaQuest experience featuring Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. That is uh, starting uh, this Sunday, November 21st at Downtown Disney. And it is a very cool thing, but it is my extraordinary great pleasure and delight to be here on Life Day Eve, no less, with two of the creators of this really, really astonishing and delightful piece of entertainment. Um, I am here with Alyssa Finley, producer on the game, and of course, Bobby Moynihan, voice actor extraordinaire, in addition to being a comedian who uh, brings the completely fabulous Cecil Slack to life. So thank you both for being here with us today. Um, I have to tell you, when Tales from the Galaxy's Edge first got announced, I, who have Batu rabies, I absolutely can't get enough of it. Thought like, oh, this will be great. This is going to be an experience for me to um, kind of tide myself over when I'm home in between visits to Galaxy's Edge. And it does do that, but it turned out it was so much more. And that was so thrilling to discover. Uh, So first, I want to start by asking Alyssa, when you started with this idea that you are going to expand this world that exists in the real world in the Disney parks, into a virtual reality game space, how do you decide what new parts of a planet that already has its own lore that you're going to develop? Well, I think the biggest thing we wanted to do was just take the story that starts in the parks and make it bigger, not not tell the same story because people have a chance to see that story already by going. And that's amazing. But to try to say, well, what can you like? How do we fit in? How does the the ship that uh, the cantina lives in, the final, where is that parked in the parks? And how does that fit into what's there? And then how does that connect to everything that you can see and do in the park? And it, what was really important to us is that you got to explore. We were super interested in the idea of going way back in time in Batu and exploring some of the lost Jedi lore and a temple that might have existed there in the in the in the in the deep past of Batu. And we also wanted to explore the present. What's it like there? What 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 is walking around on this uh, you know in in the wilds like? And I think the game that we shipped is a really good balance. The, the experience allows you to see Black Spire Outpost, but go to places way beyond the expanses of the park. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned some of those places because one of the things that I love the most is that you still are seeing Black Spire that you have visited, but in very different ways and from very different angles. 
there's like a gasp worthy moment when you realize you can look out over the Falcon across to docking bay and you just see Black Spire Outpost from a different point of view than you've ever gotten to see before. Um, and of course, those vistas of the wilds are like, they do stuff to your heart if you're really like into the lore of it. And so uh, did you have any like guardrails or there any restrictions of what you could or couldn't show or anything that people were like, we haven't gotten to do this, please do this. I think it was more about make, just making sure it all fit together properly. Like we did have one of the things that our art director did was work really closely with WDI to make sure that the place where we parked the final was a place that has that that space is is a you you it could totally be there now that's a ship so it can fly away that's not that's why it's not there when somebody comes and visits the park today but that pl- that's a legitimate parking spot where it could be and so we just wanted to make sure that all the angles and all of the views were accurate to what it would really be like if it were true because it is oh, it's so spectacular um Bobby, you are a Star Wars person. You're my people. Um, and you're <laughs> a skosh. Um, and you're also a Disney Parks fan. So I'm Whoa, wondering. Your, robot, your robots just started moving behind you for real. Okay. Both of them just started moving. Please tell me somebody saw that. It was a ghost. Um, um, <laughs> you might have a gas leak at your house. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> they shouldn't be. They're all asleep. They're all turned off. But um, <laughs> Knowing that you do love Star Wars and the park so much, what was it like getting to develop this character who is so central to the entire experience? Uh, I mean, as a fan, it's it's absolutely insane. It's 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 a blast. It, it was it was actually really fun. I've gotten to do a couple Star Wars things, but th- this was pretty singular uh, to itself. Uh, being a fan of of Galaxy's Edge, getting to I got to go there before it was opened when they were still building it. I, I, I got to go right after I was there the day it opened. I, I've been there a bunch and I feel very connected to that place. So so to be asked to be involved with this game was like a no brainer, but it's also like, it has enhanced my experience at the park. I just went there recently to, to shoot uh, something for uh, Disney Plus about this game. And just standing there at sunrise, at Six in the morning, you know, at standing there at sunrise in an empty galaxy's edge, going like that's where my cantina is, and I have Alyssa to thank for that. And it's it's it was a really special, wonderful moment, especially for a fan. But I think that's what the game is too. Like I I got to play um, Vader Immortal at Star Wars Celebration, and like cut to this panel. You, you know, I'm here now because of it. It was so fun. I was completely immersed in that game. I remember Darth Vader walking up to me and me being like, oh, no. And like, yeah, it's such a it, good moment. It was really great. And it's nice. It's And I just said earlier to you guys, it's crazy to have the same feeling in my garage at 1.30 in the morning with <laughs> myself, but the complete opposite where I'm like, I'm not afraid of this guy at all. He's he's. he's <laughs> He's, a, he's, he's only a harm to himself. <laughs> Hello, I'm Dennis Lawson, and you're listening to Fanfatrax. Um, I do want to talk more about Seasless Slack, but first I also want to mention that there are some characters and personalities that appear in this experience that 
we know of if we have been to Black Spire Outpost. We see Doc Ondar, but he's not very chatty, despite the fact that I ask him 22 questions every time I'm there. And we know about Mubo, but we never even get to lay eyes on him. So how did you, Alyssa, and the team decide which characters were going to get to be part of this story and enhance this entire like new way to experience Batu. Well, it was very much trying to continue the story that starts in the parks. And I would say that Cecil Slack and the, especially Bobby's contributions to making Cecil Slack as welcoming of a guy as he is, is, uh, is the, really the bridge to that where he can introduce you to Mubo directly. He's got, uh, you know, he's got an in with Doc that will allow, you know, Doc asks him who to trust and Cecil Slack says, maybe you. Um, but a lot of it was really just thinking about who is, who do we have? Like, who are these characters that you're experiencing and how can we expand that story? But we also wanted to make sure there were new characters. I mean, not just Cecil Slack, but other folks that you don't have preconceived notions about so that you can have those moments of Star Wars exploration and wonder and um, discovery along the way. Uh, and I'm glad you mentioned new characters because that way I can segue right back to talking to Bobby about Cecil Slack. Um, as you said, you've done other voice characters in Star Wars. I have to give a shout out to Orca because I love a Shadra fan. Um, and could not be more endearing and beloved from uh, Star Wars <laughs> Resistance. But as you said, you can actually walk up to Cecil Slack in VR. You can look at his tattoos up close. I hope you have backstory on when and where he got all of those. Um, what I is that? Head cannon, yeah. Um, tell me everything. Yeah. What is that like for you? And and how is it to be able to, like you said, you're talking to yourself in your garage at 1.30 in the morning. Yeah, I, I bring that up because it was a real thing. I really had a, a moment where I went like, wow, like uh, this has been uh, uh, quite a journey. This this uh, my Star Wars journey of just being a fan and then being lucky enough to, to, to get to be involved and starting the pandemic in literally in that closet with uh, rubber bands in my beard. And uh, uh, as as they were doing like facial capture uh, from the phone, like and wishing, wishing that I could have done like the 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 motion capture for it, but like everyone was so wonderful, it, it, just, the whole experience. But everything was amazing. But cut to that moment at one thirty in the morning in my garage where I'm standing there and Cecil Slack is talking. I was I was like overplaying the jukebox. <laughs> Like just playing the jukebox, and all of a sudden I hear my voice go, "Hey, hey, over here!" And I like turn to myself, and I was like, "What is happening?" Like it was, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was, it was really fun. Like it's a, a really fun experience. <laughs> uh, may or may not lead to a moment in therapy that could be very exciting to explain. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to tell you, I'm very, very concerned about the porg that goes from being considered a menace to being a customer and you kind of love him. A porgy. That's my guy. Um, you know, what happened to him? Is he okay? Are you he's, guys pals now? He's, he's right here. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing just fine. This is he's very good cool. to know. I love my porgy. Oh, the best. Um, <laughs> I mean, Maybe all your porgies. Yeah, exactly. Right. Was, that was fun too. Like how like they, they, being a fan of Star Wars, they let me like have fun with that. Like a lot of that, those little fun things were improvised, and I believe even that thing with the Porg, like it was, it was, uh, 
it's fun. And it's also fun because I forgot a lot of it because <laughs> you're doing it on the fly. And then all of a sudden you in the middle of this game. Yeah. Fascinating experience. I mean, that's, that's been one of the really magical things about this experience creating it is I've, I've worked on games where we had a script and we implemented the script before, but this was a situation where I'd like, I'd read the script and then I'd see the scene come in and be like, what we did that. And, it, <laughs> and, and I think that's so much a testament to Bobby really living in this character and bringing him to life for us. Oh. It was fun. The team was so wonderful with uh, allowing me to do that and making it very easy to, to live in that world. So not only are you getting to play in star Wars, but you're really imprinting it in a huge way. So that's a crazy sentence and it makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, Drink that in. And it's, Again, from the fan perspective, it, Cecil Slack is so damn lovable. Like, I want to have him over to my lounge in my house and <laughs> create drink recipes and hang out. I think um, we can change that. We need to, I will get, if you build a suit, I will get in it and wear it as. as okay, don't dangle that carrot, dude. I don't think you understand that I do make costumes. So you have just put yourself in such jeopardy. Um, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll exchange numbers after. <laughs> <laughs> it's on. It's so yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you will have to come to my house and mix drinks. And just that's, deal, the, deal, that's deal. the deal. Um, one of the big surprises from the fan perspective in Tales from Galaxy's Edge is that this is a Star Wars story, but it's nothing we've ever seen before, even if we spent a ton of time on Batu. Um, and it puts you the fan right in the middle of that story and you are the impetus for so much that goes on but it also does tie into those bigger elements of the story there are things you recognize happening and you realize cause and effect are are part of this game that don't maybe necessarily happen within the game but are part of those things you already know and love to me that was a beautiful surprise but I suspect when you're making a project like this there are a lot of other surprises that pop up along the way from your end. And I would love to hear what some of those are. Well, I can say that um, I think the reason for what you said is because the people who work on this game love, love, love Star Wars so much. And so they are thinking about the interconnections. They are thinking about the story. And I think, pe I think people who work on this franchise love it so much. And that's one of the reasons that, I mean, we're just, we're just really lucky. So, there's that. I'm just going to take a moment of feeling lucky. Um, one of the things that actually I will say I was not expecting going into in going into working on Tales was we always knew and we, we we knew from the from releasing the first section of it that Bobby was or that Cecil Slack was going to tell stories in his bar and he was going to transport you to other places. And so the first story that we took you to was to a lost Jedi temple on Batu, and you got to be a Jedi, which was amazing. And you got to use the force. And I was like, this is core Star Wars fantasy for me. I get this. Uh, the one that blindsided me was when it was the second the second tale where you got to be inside the head of an assassin droid of IG-88. And like that had not occurred to me. I had not thought about like, how, how, what, do, who, what is it? What's that like? Like, what is the interface? And I would say that the designer who worked on that and all the team who worked on that, the designer, the UI designer, they had so much fun bringing that perspective to life in a way that I never like I had just not had the capacity to start imagining that until I played the IG-88 tale and you hear the voice come up and you see like sarcasm detected and you're like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so I will say that was a moment of absolute delight brought to brought to you by the minds of people who deeply love the franchise and want to look at it from every possible angle 
for everything in one location. Daily news, reviews, interviews, podcasts, video and social media feeds. Bookmark FanthaTracks.com for Star Wars news 24-7, 365. Bobby, were there surprises for you? Yeah. Um, it's it's also, I, I agree in the sense of like, I remember when I started playing, it was like, I spent way too much time in the cantina because it was me and I wanted to stay there and I couldn't believe it. But how like it's, it feels like Tales has its own characters. There's that section. Then there's like the legacy characters. And when they show up, your mind is blown. And then like seeing like kind of like New Republic stuff or just seeing like all these different kinds. The, the variety was was amazing. I loved Vader Immortal, but like I couldn't believe how many different types of things you can do in this game. And like IG-88 and all that stuff, like just it's it seems much more vast. It branches out so much more. That made me really happy about this one. I love it. It's so good. Um, as a, another surprise that I loved, who decided that Ronto Raps and the Sporks were going to end up in the expansion? Well, I, so the, the Ronto Raps came from the art team. Um, I, I actually believe that one day, like, I think, I think we were, we were trying really hard to do a lot more storytelling of like time and place in, in the second installment. And one of the artists just, I remember, seeing a post one day on Slack saying, okay, I made a Ronto rap. Now somebody put it in the game. <laughs> uh, the Sporks, we have to blame That's... Jose for. Um, it is, I think that we had, you know, like since some of the folks from our team were able to go to Galaxy's Edge in the early days when there were Sporks and then for a while there weren't Sporks. And that was because <laughs> Making the sporks and selling them. And so Jose, in his wild fever dreams of thinking about why things happen the way they do, decided that clearly the reason that the sporks were being taken was because there's someone was offering some money in the black market and it happens to be Mubo. So you can salvage those sporks for a rather <laughs> lucrative rate in Mubo's workshop. And I, you know, I blame Jose for that. I our art director made it happen, leaned in hard, like you know, the art team again, but really. Jose's favorite dream. Um, I love it. That is truly, I did not know that. That's truly the, the greatest. Also, I have a confession to make. This is not a joke. I am 100% not kidding. 90% of my um, cutlery and play play from Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> I think that's 100% uh, valid. Also, you might be in a little those. trouble, but, yeah. you know, listen. Uh, I, I made them myself from Cecil Slack. Everybody I be cool from my ship. <laughs> um, one of the other really beautiful things about this experience is that for people like me who are like hardcore Star Wars rabid folks who, you know, read all the stuff in the comics and of course the TV and the film, like there are so many beautiful Easter eggs and little call outs that, that we catch. But I feel like even for someone who's not steeped in lore from the galaxy far, far away, can still have an amazing time, even if they know just like a surface checklist of things about Star Wars. If they know one Star Wars, they'll be fine. Um, but, but I'm wondering, Alyssa, what is that like for you guys to develop and really create that balance? Because it is a delicate path to try to find a way that everybody can engage with it and still come away feeling like they really had an amazing time. From my point of view, it's just that the stories at their heart are about good people trying to navigate difficult situations. And we don't get 
I, I think as long as we don't get too complicated and as long as we, you know, we don't get caught up in the lore and why a spork should be worth this much unless you really want to know. But <laughs> what we care about is making the player feel like a, you know, an unlikely hero who has a chance to change the world with their actions. And I think that is such a foundational premise of the Star Wars franchise that if you are true to that, then everything that you just said happens. Um, that was beautiful. It is, it is beautiful. That's exactly what it is. I mean, that's yeah, why yeah. that's why this story that came out in the seventies has become a juggernaut of modern mythology, right? Like it's it's because we all connect to those those principles. Um, I also want to ask you a little bit, Alyssa, about. Um, the music in the game. So Bear McCreary and a few other people worked on the score for this VR experience. Will you talk about how scoring for something like this is a little bit different than if they were <laughs> scoring for film or TV or even a traditional video game? I think the biggest, the biggest challenge, I can't even imagine trying to take this on, is that the player, the player, the player does what the player wants to do. And it's our job to react to that instead of trying to to cause a reaction in the player. And it's a little bit of both. And those guys are, you know, like both Bear McCreary and Joe Trapanese, uh, that just absolutely brilliant at doing this, at being able to sort of balance between like, where do I, how do I want you to feel? And how do I give you the space to feel it on your own time? So we would be taking videos. I mean, we had, we had production teams and uh, QA folks taking videos like weekly of the latest state of gameplay so that we could send those over and be like, here's what it looks like when one person plays this to give them an idea of like what items remain the same, like what is it? So what it's sort of a fixed series of events that generally always happens in the same sequence and where the player has a chance to spread out and, you know, fight here or sneak there or do what they, you know, do a little bit more of what they want to do and that the, the game needs to react to them. And then those brilliant geniuses with the giant throbbing brains of music um, turned that into themes and, and, and our, 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 our music director, Kevin Bolin got in there and helped put it together and helped assemble the thing into the seamless sounding soundtrack that is made out of magic wishes and good, good feelings. <laughs> Um, I'm, uh, I'm sure they teach magic wishes in music school and, um, it's a very hard course. It's an advanced level. Um, I want to know, uh, from the two of you, what the, your favorite part of the experience, if you can divorce yourself from your roles in actually creating it, when you're in that VR experience, what's the one little thing that you see and you go... So for me, the, the, the magical moment is when you first walk into Cecil Slack's cantina and it's, it's for a minute you think it's empty and that it's not. And you realize that you are in a world with characters who are looking at you and talking to you and treating you like you are 100% physically there. And, and all of a sudden you're in a Star Wars story, like really in, like all in. And for me, that is the absolute magical moment of all time. So basically, Bobby, it's you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. You kind of stole mine, but not really. Oh. My, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my uh, Standing at that window in, in the cantina for me and just looking out over the, the real Galaxy's Edge slash video Galaxy's Edge, that the first time that really 
got me like because that's and and then doing the opposite of standing in the in the park and looking up there and wishing that the that ship would be there one day um hint hint disney come on um no. <laughs> Cecil Slack could have a Disney Plus series, I think. Um, yes. <laughs> I would want to, especially if it's like an odd couple style thing with him and the Porg just kind of kicking yeah. around. I agree. I agree. Fighting over leaving nest materials <laughs> everywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you this, but uh, you're officially making the, the request that Disney add Cecil Slacks into a physically visit- visitable space. On both Batu East and West. I, yeah, a pop a pop up food truck maybe the final uh, <laughs> just comes parks right next to the Falcon every, every once a year at Christmas time. <laughs> Pick up some extra cash for presents <laughs> for Life Day. Well, <laughs> I, I'd be very down. Uh, Cecil Slack Black Series figure anything at this point. Yes, <laughs> I beg for it all. That part of the game. For me, also just it, it felt much more free, just kind of like I want to take my time. I want to be immersed in that world, and it really allows you to do that. Vader uh, felt like I got to get out of here before this guy kills me. Right. <laughs> right. there, you, you definitely do get a little more time to just look le- This one's less tense. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Brian Herring, BB-8 puppeteer, and you're listening to Fanta Tracks. That'll learn you. Obviously, we have already discussed that Bobby wants Cecil Slack's Cantina to be installed at Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> Alyssa, you must have a favorite part of the the experience that you wish would be installed at Galaxy's Edge, and maybe it's the same thing. But is it? Uh, I mean, I I will confess that my my absolute favorite part of the the story that I wish I could be transported to is the Jedi training that happens um, mm-hmm. where you go. It's actually, it's, it's, it's not on Batu at all. I'm sorry to say, so I've sort of ruined your question here, but um, <laughs> I, what I love about that is just this, this real visceral experience of the other side of being a Jedi, not just using lightsabers, but what does it mean to have balance? What does it mean to, to, you know, what, what does it mean to really try to embody Jedi principles in a difficult situation? And um, that is, that's my personal favorite part. And if I could be transported anywhere, I would just sit around and balance rocks all day. It's true. Deviants, Devium stones and me. That's how it would be. Um. This is for both of you because there are plenty of people who still have not had the delight and joy of experiencing VR and certainly experiencing Star Wars in VR. So what are each of you most excited to to have new people see? Uh I mean, the, the the experience for me was 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 that was was physically standing in it. People like being seen. I want people to see or people to have that feeling of like Darth Vader is tall and he is way too close to me and I feel uncomfortable. And it's not real. It's fun and it's it's wonderful. But like Cecil Slag, that whole thing. I, I think that I, I can't wait for people to see how immersed in in the world they can actually get to run around in it. That's. The, the greatest. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think some of the things that I love about the cantina are that you're not like, look, if you want to, if you want to have a traditional video game experience where you go out and you are in a, a hostile situation and you are defending yourself with amazing blasters, we've got that. We've got that covered. Um, I confess that I like to stand in the cantina and play space darts. I like to play the, the, the Krobarimba. Like there is stuff to do that is quiet and that just feels like 
I'm, I get to be in this world and I get to hear, you know, Cecil Slack over in the corner ruminating about uh, Padme's costume wardrobe assistance uh, gossip. And just, you know, like, I just feel like I'm there. And to me, that feeling is not something that I got from other types of media. It really, it's when you're in that headset, you're in that world. Um, before we head out, uh, Alyssa, will you talk a little bit about this preview experience that is happening starting this weekend at downtown Disney? Like what can fans expect to do and see? Well, basically it's, it's, uh, it's a taken a chunk taken directly from the game. And it is the moment from when you set foot in Cecil Slack's cantina and he is ha- having a, having a, 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 a discussion, a little, a, a, a little bit of discourse with his, with Porgy, I think. Um, and you come in and you meet Mubo, you get a sense of your the, the challenges before you outside in the wild, and you can spend some time, you can either spend some time in the cantina, playing with the jukebox, playing with the chroma rimbo, playing with space darts, or you can head out the door and go to go to a Three Sons Overlook and go, head, head out into the wilds and fight the Guavian Death Gang a little bit and get a sense of the sort of more action-oriented side of the game. So it's taken directly out of the experience. It'll give you a really good example of the notion of the breadth of the experience. And it's super fun. And you get to hang out with Cecil Slack. So all win. Uh, I mean, yes, that's that should be on everyone's bucket list. Uh, Cecil Slack drink times. Um, I Thank you both so much for spending this time with me. What an absolute delight and spoiled child experience for me. <laughs> Such a pleasure, Holly. Um, Thanks so, so much for this has been and thank you, Alyssa, for making this game always. Oh, yeah. It's the team, all the team. Every, like yeah. all I do is 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 just uh, wrangle them, and then they <laughs> do the thing. So, <laughs> so once thank again, the Meta Quest experience is uh, featuring Star Wars: Tales from the Galaxy's Edge starts this Sunday. That is November twenty first at Downtown Disney in Anaheim. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Till the spires. Thanks for listening to this episode of Making Tracks. If you want to be a part of the action and stay updated on all the latest Star Wars news, visit Fantatracks.com or check out the free Fantatracks app through the App Store to follow us on your mobile device. You can reach out to us and send in your listeners' questions by emailing radio at Fantatracks.com. Comment, like and share on any of our social media feeds at Fantatracks and be sure to subscribe, leave a review, preferably a five-star one, on Amazon Music, Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your podcatcher or smart speaker of choice. And as always, thanks to James Semple for composing the Fantatracks intro, Adam O'Brien for our Making Tracks opening music and Mark Daniel and Vanessa Marshall for our voiceovers. Remember, tune in to our Fantatracks new show, Good Morning Tatooine, Sunday evenings, 9 o'clock UK, 4pm Eastern, 1pm Pacific on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. And we'll catch you tomorrow for the next episode of Making Tracks. Coming up next on Fantatracks Radio, it's another episode of Making Tracks. Alrighty.